He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello and welcome to week 26 of a Good Talk Spoil God podcast. Uh, I'm Bobby Donnelly and this week I'm joined by Barry O'Hanron. Hey Barry. Hey guys. And I'm also joined by James Richardson. Hey James. Hey guys. Alan's not with us this week. He's off in uh, Italy on his holidays. Um, filling himself up with beer and pizza so uh, and reading rules related questions yeah studying books. studying the rules question exactly <laughs> um how are you guys doing anyway guys good weekend good week good weekend golfing um yeah well the the course was in fantastic shape uh, our games were not in the best of shape um the rough was up the fairies were fast the greens were even faster um, mm. which i usually love i just i didn't i, I had a gmac weekend on the greens couldn't mm. couldn't make anything how many uh, putts did you have uh, 37 I think on the Saturday in the strokes the, the medal competition but I, I just had a couple of really bad holes I had a shank on one hole that put me what? in the rough I know oh. and you didn't so, even check four when it went over my head <laughs> I said shank <laughs> I wonder should we ban that word though from the, oh, yeah, yeah, from the yeah. podcast a lot of people probably just switched off and don't hear anymore it was expletive okay, <laughs> I, I, I had a bleep that went <laughs> wrong, very far right very quickly and went into the heavy rough and it took me four shots to get out of it so mm. that kind of put me uh, yeah put me out of contention well, as it happened it didn't really matter because a junior was uh, playing at the competition and shot playing off a 28 handicap shot an 87 gross for a 59 net to win the medal I saw that in the papers today I actually I contacted you because I thought it was a, pr- uh, a, a printing error I said medal like second place was you know, net 67, and the winner was net 59, yeah. but that makes sense as a junior. It help. makes us all feel an awful lot better. I yeah. Know. It, what, what didn't really help either of us in the round is we had a, it was a tragically slow round. We ended up letting having to let two groups play through uh, during the course of the round, and I think it took, it was well over five hours it took <laughs> in the end, so there was no rhythm to the game, and James, I think in particular, um, that caught him on the back line and he had a couple of bad holes, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I got bored and started spacing out, which never helps. Um, <laughs> mind you, up to that point, I, I was going like double bogey, par, double bogey, par, double bogey, par. So it was it was lovely uh, uh, scorecard to look at. But uh, yeah, I was I was all right until the thirteenth hole, and then I duck hooked it straight into the uh, into the gorse, and I think I took a ten after yeah. that, mainly because I just stopped caring. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just I if. The guy, Any other day, I probably would have just walked in if I could have. Yeah, it was it was uh, just a painful round, wasn't it? The, the guy we were playing with had no clue where his golf ball went ever. I reckon we spent somewhere around 45, in the region of 45 minutes, looking for his ball throughout the round. And then eventually on one hole, he lost two balls. We let a group through. We were about 50 yards forward of the tee. It was a par three. And I turned to him after we looked for his balls for 10 minutes and said, are you going to go back and play another to stay in the competition? And he said... No, no, no. Losing two balls is enough. So, you know, he gets us to look for 10 minutes and then he just says, I, I couldn't care less about the competition. Like, cheers for the help, lads, which was a real slap in the face. And yeah. that, yeah. you know, so we had enough of that. But, um, look, the, the golf course is in great condition and, you know, always ready to go back to the range and go out for a good round of golf. So. They're running firm enough there. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, 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 really good. I, I would like to say that the only other thing that, um, 
stuck in my head after I took the double on the first hole was the comment from last week where uh, the quote was, oh yeah, my competition was over within the first hour. <laughs> this week my competition was over in the first five minutes. Yeah, it's a sickener, uh, isn't it? So yeah, so it was just one of those days, but sure, there was no chance I was going to have a 58, 59 anyway. So. No, yeah, that's just ridiculous. You know, uh, I think there has to be questions about there around, well, how do you manage juniors? Because they're coming down very, very quickly and they're yeah. also going to win. He's going to win four or five competitions in a row while he comes down. So there has to be questions. Well, when there. I used to play in a golf course, which still stay nameless, previous to joining Glen of the Downs, uh, juniors weren't allowed to win the major titles or the yeah. medals uh, yeah. because of exactly that problem. Mm. So uh, I don't know, maybe uh, I'll become that cranky old man in the golf club now at the AGM going, ah, no, 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 juniors are no longer allowed to win any of the medals yeah. just because they're taking a chance away from me winning it. I, yeah. I think it's good to integrate them and maybe there's a way you can do it whereby you know, they can enter those competitions if they've been a member for more than a year so their handicap has had a chance to normalise somewhat. Mm-hmm. I and mean, he was playing off the maximum handicap allowed and you know, maybe had three bad rounds when he did his cards or handicap. You know, for for everyone else, like he did, he lost five shots for winning. So, um, I look fair play to him, and um, you know, we're all looking forward to get back out to the course when the the weather's as good and the courses are playing that great. Yeah, exactly. I had a bit of. Uh, I actually played Friday as I touched. I actually played Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Busy week golf. I uh, uh, played okay on Wednesday, thirty five points on Wednesday, and played on Friday in an outing. And best team event I've ever played in in my life. I played with two guys I work with, and there was one one of the guys had an eagle and two birdies. I had three birdies in my own ball, and the other guy had twenty one points. And there was high high fives, fist bumps, everything going on, all sorts of celebrating. So we had forty nine points in the front nine, and best two to count. And we came to the eleventh hole, and the nearest the pin was on the eleventh hole. So we were, of course, eyeing up this surprise. You're playing so well. I'm like, why is the nearest the pin on the yellow tees, and we've been playing off the greens? Oh no! no. Wrong tees, disqualified, and all three of us were going well in the singles as well. It was a team event and oh. singles disqualified the whole lot. So that was a sickener. And then I played on Saturday. I actually played quite well. Carried over to four. I was one over with five to go, and I finished off off six, and I finished seven over. Oh, you did a Ryan Moore. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. Just oh no. Yeah. So it was a weekend of deject- dejection, but there's good golf there. So I'm kind of that's yeah, promising signs. Yeah, yeah promising just, signs. Yeah, but, so, another another presenter fail on the podcast on the golf course. So, well, I was going to say last last week we had the hitting the wrong ball yeah. this week we're playing off the wrong, wrong tees. tees should we call this Harrington's corner or something what can go <laughs> yeah, wrong yeah. by our game on the golf course all I know is myself and Bob have done ours for the week so you're up next James the lads alright I check these things before I go out the lads and, lads and work are calling us junior junior one junior two and junior three because <laughs> we were playing off the juniors tees because <laughs> no wonder you get 49 points and you're, you're so far forward but anyway so it's a bit of crack anyway so but anyway, listen, moving on. Uh, this week we're going to have, we have our usual rules related question at the start and we're going to look back at a, an extremely successful Irish Open yet again in Fota Island. Uh, we'll have a look back at the Travellers Championship, uh, the Women's US Open and then we usually give an update on the top 200 but as Alan's away, we're going to we'll give, give a full update the following week. And our main topic that we're going to talk back talk about this week is the big news that Tiger is back this week. We're going to talk about Tiger, talk about the, the Tiger factor, um, how important he is to the game of golf, and, and I suppose what are his chances in the majors going forward now that he's back. Uh, we'll also have a look ahead to the tournaments next week, and we'll give you the answers to the rules-related question at the end. So, without further ado, let's get on to the rules-related questions. 14-12 to Barry. Barry's going first because he's leading. 
and small bit of a gap open up Barry so this is your chance mm, but as James correctly pointed out the last time I did this I fell right back in and let Alan get a lead so um, I, even though he's on holidays and probably under the influence at the moment I'm not going to get too confident he has answered it but he said it was, he's had five beers on board and his exact uh, phrase was too drunk for that puzzler so uh, this will be interesting to see how he gets on this, he could have solved how to beat the Friday how to beat the, the rules question yeah yeah, fair at least he's distracted enough not to look it up on the internet. <laughs> so be no, no cheating comments. Right. Um, in a handicap foursome stroke play competition, partners A and B correctly calculate their combined handicap allowance and record it on their scorecard rather than their individual handicaps. What is the ruling? Question mark. A. A and B should be disqualified. B. There is no penalty. Uh, C. The A and B are penalised two strokes. You told me this before the show, and I said I have all three of them in my mind as an option, but I've, I'm leaning towards option B now, kind of on the whole... Remember the question we had about sign, the players and the marker signed in the wrong boxes, but there was no penalty, and it was all fine. I'm going to go with something similar like that. Their names are on the card. They calculated their handicap correctly, so no penalty. B. Okay, very good. Uh, so, and Alan has also gone B. Oh, cool. So, so I hold a two-point lead. You hold a two-point lead, That's anyway, good. and I'll, I'll announce whether you're correct or not um, at the end. So, anyway, as I, as I mentioned briefly at the start, the Irish Open, extremely, extremely successful event yet again. Um, the official figures, I think, were 97,000, and I think if you take in the Pro-Am, it was over 100,000 again. So, uh, I think Wentworth's, the official figures were over 100,000, but that pretty much puts it up there as one of the most successful European Tour events of the season yet again and it was a great event wasn't it yeah and I think that one of the successful things and just to touch on it before we touch on the golf itself is actually just the organisation of it you know there was good transport links you know the train from Dublin was going straight to the course it made it accessible for people you know that's Mm. I think that's why it was as, as much a success as anything people actually wanted to go because it was easy to get there and easy to to get on the course and see it and you know it's it's great for Irish golf at the moment where a lot of the courses are in difficulty that we're putting on a show for people mm-hmm. out there and obviously it's going across the world of help that the sun shone, shone for the whole weekend and made Ireland look like the, the Riviera for four days <laughs> which might bring a few people in but uh, I thought the golf was great uh, I thought it was a very interesting tournament I, I saw bits of it I didn't see as much probably as, as the rest of you guys but uh, did you see much of it Barry? I, I got a good bit of it in on Saturday and Sunday afternoon after I played golf and yeah I kind of I thought the thing that I really kind of took from the whole weekend is any time any player was interviewed about it, they said, I love this tournament, I love coming to Ireland, I don't care what course it's on. The crowds are amazing and they, they didn't seem to be, you know, be bothered whether the weather was good or bad. You know, Obviously, they're happy that the weather was mm. stunning, and, mm. um, but they just, I think they really loved the crowds and the, the, you know, the, the vibe and atmosphere around the Irish Open. And that certainly came across in the TV, you know. Unfortunately, now we couldn't have, you know, GMAC couldn't push on as the, the at the forefront of the Irish Challenge to really rile the crowds up on the Sunday. But um, it certainly, you know, seen a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bodies around the greens on every hole. It was it looked really good, and as James said, that's broadcast around the world, and that that is really good for Ireland. Um, and I think GMAC came out afterwards and said it's 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 his worst weekend putting performance as a professional. So and I think and I know the guys in Sky were probably talking about it. He probably put himself under a bit too much pressure and he wanted to perform for the crowds. He was just trying too hard, I think. Mm-hmm. So he put it like Barry then. 
Yeah, exactly. But but actually, yeah, probably quite similar based on how. Per, I, although I wouldn't I say too much. I must give him a call and we can discuss it and yeah. just bash it all out. I'm sure, he'd love that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and in the end, Mick Willenden led from pretty much day one and. The only slight disappointment about the tournament is really nobody challenged him on day four. Really, did it? nobody kind of got out of the pack and and, and had a run at him? Yeah, he even remarked about that in his mm-hmm. uh, the kind of little after, the interview after the tournament. And yeah, that seems to be a theme this year. You know, guys just going getting ahead and you know winning the golf tournament and you know leaving it a little bit dry for the viewer on a Sunday. You know, you don't have that excitement of you know a few guys pushing forward and back on each other and um, look. He played well enough to win, and fair play to him. He played, you know, he played very nicely, and mm. you know, he kept, you know, he didn't have to keep people at bay; they kept themselves at bay. But you know, he had a dominating performance, and yeah. he won it comfortably. Yeah. Um, next year we have the Irish Open Royal County Downs, so and I think that could be another fantastic event again. Yeah, yeah, and undoubtedly they'll, they'll sell that out just like they did last year, mm-hmm. um, especially on such a golf course. You know, I think that you'll have to get your tickets well in advance for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be nice to see an Irish Open on a Lynx course. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that it should always be on a Lynx course, and you know, with a view to the European Tour establishing a, a miniature Lynx season of maybe four or five events in a row, and in, in the build-up to the British Open or the Open Championship. The only thing is, the Irish Open's going four weeks earlier next year. Um, it's in actually I can't remember what event it's in after, but it's been moved earlier. So there's obviously we've had it two years in a row around this around mm. this time of the year, and we've had great weather two years in a row. So you just wonder then if it go back goes back four weeks ago when we probably didn't have great weather four weeks ago. Yeah, but that that just makes it a different spectacle. It's a different competition then. If it, if it you know back on the links, if the wind is up, it's it's an it's another test. Um, I think the crowds are what makes the mm. Irish Open. It's a bit like all the events that come to Ireland. All the the, the sports people say it's it's great to play here. I I, I look the Royal County Down is is a stunning course. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily share Barry's belief that it should always be on a links course. I think there's incredible parkland courses in this country, um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be another sellout. I would have thought, which is the most important for the event. The only thing I think Barry's point is very good, which would be a dream situation, is to have a links course the week before the Scottish Scottish Open, see if Irish Open on links, Scottish Open on links. And then you have the Open Championship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fantastic idea, but I think it's going to take a lot of money from the Irish Open to get that. But but if you get that, you're going to get your Ricky Fowlers, your Keegan Bradleys coming yeah. up for three weeks, you know? Yeah, and then in between, like because they're not travelling that far, they can go off and play the other great courses in Ireland mm-hmm. and they'll be tweeting about them. And that'll just all be great for the game here. We do, we do need a title sponsor for the event, and it's still staggering. We can't do it when we're selling it out all the time. We're, you know, we're... Um, you know, we've got more crowds at this at the Irish Open than they did at the flagship event of the European Tour, even though we're offering something like two point seven five million euro less in the prize fund. Then they then went towards Wentworth, yeah. Oh, Wentworth had bigger crowds. Four was it? Yeah. I, I, okay, there was sort of different figures coming in and out Wentworth, this week, but Wentworth were over a hundred thousand, and the official figures for felt over ninety seven. Oh, okay, 000, I, re- so. I read somewhere else probably included the figures for the practice days or something like that. Well, but I mean, even still, if we could. Ju- Get that prize fund up closer to three million or three and a half million. You're going to get all those big names in. And well, it was a it was a point that I made last week about the sponsorship, and I actually looked at it during the week. and And the prize fund was two million for this competition. The prize fund with the BMW Championship next week in Cologne, I think it is. Mm. We'll talk about that later. But that's actually two million as well. There's actually quite a lot less prize money in other events than actually the Irish Open which doesn't have the title sponsor so in actual fact I think we are swinging probably above our station to a certain extent without the title sponsor um, but it, I think the point that, that, that Bobby makes is, is very valid 
if it was moved closer to the British Open, and that's that is in negotiation with the likes of the European Tour, and we're to a certain extent out of our hands. It would be an incredible achievement to get the big names coming from America over to us for that kind of three or four mm. course swing around um, the, the links. But over 100,000 people turned up. I, I, I don't think we should necessarily denigrate it down just because we don't have the title sponsor. I know I mentioned it last week, but I think we're really actually holding our own. Um, mm. Especially, you know, two or three more million or even another million. You know, yes, it pushes us up. BMW PGA Championship, 4.75 million. You know, it's not that far. Like it's it's still attracting big names. It's it's the Irish players, it's the Irish majors, the likes of Rory and Mac, uh, and Harrington, who had a good week this week. I want to touch on that in a second, but you know, it's the Irish influence. It's those Irish major winners turning up each each year that actually I think bring the crowds rather mm. than necessarily anybody else. Yeah, I think if they didn't turn up, you'd probably be looking at less crowds. But yeah, no, great, great event. And yours truly picked up the fibre for our presenter bet. Fisher finished eighth. So um, you boys were all pretty horrendous with your picks, I must say. Yeah, yeah. Carson had a great round on the first day and then fell to pieces mm-hmm. on the Friday. I think he must have known that you know he was my horse for the event. Listen, I also want to put on, give you an honourable mention, Bob, for making Simon Dyson miss the cut with your supreme doubting of his form going into the event. Yeah, ruined his confidence. He bombed. He, had a, <laughs> he came off a, what, a fifth and a tied 16th and straight into a missed cut after a one-minute interview with Bobby Donnelly. I'd say, he's, I'd say he's cursing me. I suppose we didn't get a few tweets from him, you know. Um, over in the States, I, I'm going to put my hands up. I didn't see any of this. Not one shot of the Travelers' Championship. Uh, Kevin Streelman won with an amazing back nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten one-puts in a row and finished with seven birdies in a row. Yeah, and, uh, 28 nice. in the back nine. 28, yeah. It's a, it's a, I think it's a scoring record to win a tournament in the PGA Tour like, since stats began. And mm. I'd say Sergio Garcia must be pulling a little of the short hair he has in his yeah. head out of it. I mean, it's... What can you do? Yeah, yeah. You, you, t- you, uh, you said as a viber the other day, um, the other night, saying s- there was some money matched on him on Betfair, like a thousand to one. Twenty eight pounds on Betfair was backed on him at thousand to one. So maybe when he made two birdies in a row, and someone saw a thousand to one, Quick. so yeah, yeah, so someone had twenty eight. There was twenty eight pounds available. Whether it's one person or multiple people, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, that's just a total speculative bet, but it's nice when they pay off. Yeah. Well, um, I, if that thousand is there for as long, like if he makes four birdies in a row, and the thousand is still there. Somebody's going to jump on it, you yes, know. Yeah, that's so, true. Um, but yeah, no, so that was interesting. But I think the main reason why a lot of us didn't see much of the travelers was the women's U.S. Open was on. Uh, Michelle Wee won, um, I was going to say quite impressively, but she kind of stumbled a bit on the 16th and the last day. She was leading by two at that stage. And she, she had three at that stage. Three at that yeah, stage. Yeah, she yeah. had a double bogey on 16. Yeah, yeah. And then she birdied 17 and then kind of saw it home, saw it home there. Stu, Stacey Lewis had a good run, but it was a very, very good tournament, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the the prime feed on Sky, which is where mm. we watched the golf. And I I didn't go on the red button and switch over to the Travelers. I actually watched it, and because I didn't get a chance to watch the men's US Open the week before, it was great for me you know, to see the golf course because I was such a fan of the of Pinehurst. And then um, she was really impressive. She had no three putts for the week on on greens that are running as fast as you could ever play on. And I mean, I, I think you'd struggle to find in many of the men who would have had similar stats to that. And, and that's probably why it's somewhat interesting is just to compare the the two different. Like you can never really compare driving distance, obviously, and you can't really compare long game and stuff like that. But when you see Michelle Wee having no three putts, that's extremely impressive, and, and it just shows that you know how talented she is, and, and that is very comparable to, to the men. And uh, I'm, I'm delighted that she won because when she came in with all the fanfare. 
a couple of years ago, there was a lot of comments about her getting in on the sponsorships and getting off uh, playing in the men's tournament and uh, for Sony, I think it was at one stage. She went back. She went, I think, back to tour school. Uh, got her card again. Went through the process and has now come through and is more, I think, getting more respect for the fact that she actually went and did it the right way. Similar to what we've talked about in previous weeks about mm-hmm. other people going off onto the tour, earning the card, being there by merit. And and I thought. The only thing I, I just cannot watch her put, I just I don't know how it's it's just there's something about that. Look. It's because she's it's, extraordinarily tall and you're it's not something one of those that I don't points. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you I need a four inch putter if you were to do that stance. She's five four, not tall. <laughs> Sorry, five four and a half. It depends <laughs> what part of the world you're from. Um, yeah, um, it looks like she's got to break her back. For anyone that hasn't seen it, you should check it out. Just Google it and just see her putting the tabletop style. It's yeah, called. Yeah, she's, she's very flat back. She's uh, would love to put a pint on top. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if she can put with it on her. Put, putting, putting is such a personal thing, and everybody has their own way to do it. So who are we to judge? Like she went, and uh, you know, you could be guaranteed there'll be a lot of people going out there trying that this week after she won the US Open with no three putts. Absolutely do. Um, and I, the one other extremely. Extremely impressive thing was Lucy Lee shooting 78, 78, 11 years old. And she's shooting 78, 78. Now I know again it's forward tees, but that is unbelievable how an 11 year old can compete at that level. Well, the question is is it wrong to be jealous of an 11 year old? An 11 year old girl, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't care what it is. <laughs> um, she had better score, a better score than 30 players in that event. Yeah, that's just outrageous. It's staggering. I saw her hitting a three wood from the fairway into four feet, knocking in for birdie on a US Open course. Yeah. And she's 11. It's just amazing. No fear at all. Just, no, just no. happy go lucky. This is great fun. Um, other bit of news. Um, I saw Jeff Shackelford wrote, uh, it's actually a very good blog. He wrote that apparently they're talking about bringing back the long drive championship for the PGA championship. Um, the US PGA, which is on in August. And they actually haven't held it since, I think it's 1984, uh, when they, yeah, 1984 when they last held it. And what they do is they just have all the pros have a long drive of the day before the event. The last winner was in 1984 at Shoal Creek Country Club was Lawrence Wedgie Winchester, which is his nickname, Wedgie. What a name. <laughs> yeah, what a name. But the reason this, this was, uh, Jeff was raising this is that, um, when Jack Nicholas entered in 1963 and he won it, and he got a money clip as as a prize, and he still uses the money clip to this day just to show how proud how proud he was of winning the long drive competition at the 1963 USPGA. That's a nice story. Yeah, so that's on Wednesday. They're talking about having it on the Wednesday or the week of the USPGA. I think that'd be brilliant. Even if they put it on TV for a bit of crack, you know, an that, hour or something like that. You know? That's great. Kind of like we, you know, have a side event to mm. a main event, a main tour event. You know, like last week we were saying the travelers they could have that floating green or whatever, mm. you know, hit landed on the umbrella. But, a side event to a main event kind of gives that extra buzz about it, and like the Masters, the Part Three competition. That's a there you go yeah. on the head, yeah. yeah. I, I I think go one step further. Stick it in the main competition. Make it the fifth hole or the sixth hole <laughs> on the Thursday. See how many they get. Stick nearest to the pin on the Sunday. Seventeenth <laughs> hole nearest the pin. There you go, lads. <laughs> like uh, like all amateurs, you know, you're going on a nice good round. Longest drive. Oh, I'll have to hit as hard as I can. You hit it so, now. come here. Who who do you think will come in the top three in that then? Well, I think Gary Woodland would have to have a great chance. Bubba, the Bubba Watson would be up there. Um, Rory, I suppose those would be my three. Anyway, offhand, would they be would they be bringing those uh, you know specialist drivers uh, with them that day? <laughs> the extra the, long uh, shaft, the extra long whippy yeah. shaft. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So I think it'll be. I think it'll be. I think it must be a great crack. As I said, it's only talk about it, but I think it'd be a cool. Idea. Oh, I think it's yeah, crazy. It's a sneaky idea. long shot as well. Adam Scott, powerful golfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Absolutely. got very good arms, I believe. 
Um, yeah, so um, yeah, so that's it. And uh, I suppose the other bit of news as well We've in Ireland here, I suppose the court proceedings between Rory McIlroy and Horizons moving on a bit and it kind of stepped up a bit more this week, which is kind of concerning for European Ryder Cup hopes that McIlroy has brought Graham McDowell into the court proceedings, kind of mentioned that he's on a beneficial package and he was supposed to be on the same package as him. So I think they're trying to draw GMAC into the court case to ramp up the pressure on Horizon. So that's something that us as Irish golf fans and us as Ryder Cup, European Ryder Cup fans, we just don't really need, do we? I also don't think it's it's necessarily needed full stop, regardless yeah. of golf. This is, they're, they're two mates. Yeah, certainly they were. I don't know if they still are now. It's maybe behind the scenes they're not as mm-hmm. friendly. I know Rory didn't go to GMAC's wedding last year because of all the problems. But look, the dirty laundry should be kept in house. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 set down now. I believe for January of 2015, it's going to take two months. It's just it's unsavory at this point. It's going to get even more unsavory yeah. down there. It seems to me like the the players are almost you know puppets in this this whole charade now, and the lawyers are just pulling all the strings, you mm. know. And it's uh, they they don't care how nasty it gets. They just want the win, you know. So it seems like, mm. and it's it's not it doesn't it's not good for the game. It's not good for either the guys. It's not good for the Ryder Cup in September. It's just yeah, it, it needs to just get, it needs to get, see if they uh, are paired together yeah, at any stage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This this needs to get dealt with and just finished and wrapped up because it's dragging on. I'm sure they just want it done with. I think Alan Alan will be topping up his um, US to win the Ryder Cup bet now on this news. I'd say, but I think I think James, you hit the nail on the head. It's completely unsavory, you know, and, and nobody nobody really likes it, but. Moving on to good news, um, turn turn towards positive town. Um, we're not going to give a top 200 update this week, as I mentioned, even though Eduardo Molinari had a second this week and he's on my team. But we'll, uh, we'll get an update from Alan for next week. Uh, he's away on holidays, as we mentioned. But the big news this week, big golfing news, really, even though we've had such tremendous golf over the weekend, is Tiger is back. Um, this week's event is on, it's called the Quicken Loans International, uh, or Quicken Loans National. It's on in Congressional uh, Country Club. And Tiger has announced that he's going to play. Um, we're going to just have a quick chat about Tiger and, you know, Tiger's, Tiger's fear factor over the years. What, are, what is his importance to the game and what are his chances in the majors coming up now that he's back? But before we do, Tiger spoke today at the press conference and not like last week, we didn't get a chance to, to interview him directly, but uh, I just took a couple of notes of what he said. He commented that he thought the British Open event would be his first first back, which is um, in about three weeks or four weeks away. So he, he said himself he was surprised he's so ahead of schedule. He expects to play in the Open, and he's also going to try and make the FedEx Cup playoffs. He said he wouldn't be back playing this week if it wasn't a tournament that benefits his foundation, which is I thought was kind of an interesting point that... You know, if it was just in a regular event, he wouldn't be back. But he did say that he feels the short game is going to be sharp, as he's been practicing for three months. Only short game, because he's been able to chip and put. And the one thing that caused him a bit of hassle was bending over to pick the ball out of the hole with his back. So he filled in one of the holes in his own private putting ring with sand, so that he could just flip the ball out. So, but um, but in fairness, if he had gone down to one of the golf shops, he could get that little sticker thing that sticks in the bottom of your putter. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they're only about two dollars. Like, yeah, so you yeah. think you'd have enough money to buy one? Yeah. You? Hey, see every every kind of retired guy on the golf course and woman have one of those yeah. in the van. It'll probably upset the balance of his putter. You know? yeah, he, yeah. He'd notice that one extra or a few extra grams on the end. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, it's great to have him back, though, isn't it? And it, it, it is really the highlight of the golfing week again coming up coming up to watch him. Yeah, yeah. I just I hope it I hope he actually goes okay because nothing 
nothing is you know sadder in the golf <coughs> events than watching Tiger Woods at plus ten and all the cameras mm. are showing all his shots and when mm. there's other action going on and other players deserving of camera time. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so for our main discussion today, we're just going to talk about Tiger in general. Um, as we mentioned, it's great, great to have him back. The first point we're going to really talk about, and this is something I'm very interested in, is the Tiger fear factor. Um, there's a lot of talk that Tiger's always had a bit of a number over the rest of the field, and he's generated this fear factor. First of all, do you think this is true, James, and what are the reasons behind it? Well, I, I do think it's true. And I'm not sure whether it was him that actually, you, you made the point there that it was him that made this fear factor. I'm not sure it was. I mm. actually think it was the media. Mm. Uh, I think it probably started, predominantly it probably started with his father, uh, Earl, who knew the importance of getting the media. And, and the psychological part of the game, which is so crucial because you're talking most of the top golfers, their swings, their games aren't vastly different. They're, you know, it's within a, a, a parameter of the best driver or the best putter to still very, very good, but maybe it's it's a one or two shot mm. swing in that respect. So it comes down to what's going on between your left ear and your right ear and the psychological advantage you can get, in my opinion. Not taking away, I still think his swing has always been great. I think that he is very dominant. There's no doubt about that. But it's my belief that before he even became a professional, they were they were building up the hype. They mm. were building this guy up to a pedestal in America. They were giving him the you know a personal perception as invincible, unbeatable, the best amateur golfer that there had ever been. He only left amateur status in '96 because let's face it, there was nothing else he could do. Yeah. You know, Sport Illustrated back in 1995, first time ever, gave over 10 pages in their magazine to this college golfer mm. called Tiger Woods that nobody had ever heard of. And, you know, that was unheard of back then. Yeah. You know, I just felt that, you know, where you're... And I was looking back on, on, on golf magazine covers over the last couple of days about this. And just the amount of words and hype that were put on the front of magazines. You know, Tiger Woods, unbeatable. Bank on Tiger, greatest golfer to ever play. Can anyone beat Tiger? Is this the Superman? Is this the super kid? You know, invincible. These were words that were being used back in 97, 98, 99. Everybody who was standing up on the tee at, at certain tournaments were being asked, you know, with Tiger in the, the field, you know, is, is everybody just fighting for second place? And I think that that was the, I think that was the difference. I, I you know, it, to a certain extent, it's an academic, you know, discussion because we can't go back and, and take it away. But where people were going out onto the first tee box saying, well, you know, Tiger's in the, in, in the field today. Jeez, there's no way I'm going to beat him because he's such a great player. Mm. Automatically, has them playing for second in their head. Yeah. And I suppose the only other point I'd make before I kind of throw it up to the floor is that Jack used to say that he won a lot of his majors on the basis that guys would see his name there and would be fearful of him. And that he actually didn't go out and have to win majors mm. because the other guys threw them away. And I suppose to a certain extent, Tiger took that and just elevated it to a whole new level at a time where the media internet everything was just exploding yeah. and he was able to build that persona of invincibility around him yeah well a lot to digest there but i mean i do i do agree with you and tiger when he came he, you know he joined professional golf having won the u.s amateur three consecutive times i mean that's going to generate headlines in its own right no matter who you are you know and this this he was a sensation um 
you have that amazing talent there and then you, you know that becomes a fear factor in itself you know remove the media from the whole scenario which is difficult to do but just for a second that's a tough guy to beat full stop but when you when you add that little extra bit on top where the there's got you know you see headlines and golf writers going like can anybody beat this guy you know can anybody beat tiger and you you find yourself opposite him on a sunday i mean that's got to impact upon your you know, psyche as well as knowing you're just up against this amazing golfer. But you've got all this stuff in the background as well. That's, I think you, you, that's a great point you made at the end. I think my own view is, I think the media did have an influence and there's always this thing about Tiger's such a great draw in terms of uh, you know people go to see him, TV viewing figures go up, attendance figures go up because Tiger's there. But I think the there might be, let's say, 10% of influence from the crowd of people moving on. It might be 10% of this build up in terms of media and that the, there's a, an awareness being generated about Tiger that he is just not beatable and that you have no chance. But I think the core is 80% of it is down to Tiger, that he's just the best golfer that we've ever seen and he is just out and out better than everyone. I kind of think if, if the four of us were playing a competition with a scratch golfer mm. and we all had a good round and we were all, and the scratch golfer had a bad start and with six holes to go, we, we're we're all three or four shots ahead of him and somehow we had, you know, we st- as we go four holes, we're all of a sudden only three ahead of him. We all know a scratch golfer is better than us and you start to get that sinking feeling going, well, how am I going to hold on here? And I think that kind of is how I think that over the years people have felt about Tiger, that if you're, um, you know, who are, let's say, uh, Chris DeMarco or something like that and you're playing, you know he's better than you. Even though you're playing really well, you, you kind of have this sinking feeling that, do you know what, he should beat me, even though I'm a few ahead of him. You just have that sinking feeling that he's going to catch you because he's just way better than you. And I think that's quite a psychological challenge that's presented to players. And I think that's why, this is when they talk about the fear factor, I think that's how I see it, is that people just know that he's just, people know that he's way better than any of them, you know. I mean, I think the media they helped kind of get the story out and the the facts about Tiger out there, you know, particularly early on in his career. You know, the first couple of years, he's not going to... He didn't go out and go crazy dominating the tour, but he, so from 1999 and 2009, he really started killing it. You know, in 2000, he had the lowest scoring average in PGA Tour history, which was 67.8 was his average round, mm. which is... Well, I think it's a, a shot better than the low scoring average for the last three years on tour in recent times. Um, he's the lowest career scoring average in PGA Tour history. You know, he had 142 consecutive cuts made, and you know players know he's really good. But when these stats are being pounded at you all the time, and you know the other one that really probably killed people on Sundays when it was coming to winning tournaments was his unbelievable record when he was holding the lead or a share of the lead going into the Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had it was a perfect record until a few years ago, but he's still a 54 and four when holding or sharing the lead going into a Sunday. You know. Yeah. conversion rate it's just ridiculous and the media is always firing these figures at you and the players just you can't get that out of your head you just go he's coming he's coming like a train he's in my slipstream and he's just getting faster and he's going to get me but you see everything you both say I absolutely agree with but the question that I suppose I'm posing is those stats that you're talking about and the fact that they were constantly reminding people who were turning up on the first tee on a Sunday in a major, Tiger Woods is 54-4 and four, or he's 54-0, and not, that was the media generating those stats. That was the media putting it in the mind of the other players that actually you're going up against a guy who's 54-0. If that was never mentioned by the media 
and the players were just going out without that being constantly bombarded because there's a saying that I think most people would know but certainly I, I, I would be aware of it if you say something enough times and you say it with enough conviction people will ultimately believe it mm. and if you go and hear from 1995 in fact all the way through he's the best player in the world he's the best player in the world he's the best player in the world you know then you start getting into the psyche of well actually if he's the best player in the world well i can't be the best player in the world so i'm standing up on the tee on the sunday in a major against the best player in the world and the point that i suppose you make is similar you know they're standing up on the first tee and they've already defeated themselves yeah. because they're already mm-hmm. standing there going i'm playing the best guy in the world He's 54 and not, or 54 and 4, or whatever the stat was before he, he, he ended up losing it. But that, how can I beat this guy? You know, I can't, I can't beat this guy, so I really just want to hold on to the coattails. Mm-hmm. I'll come second. I absolutely agree with the point that you make, Bobby, in relation to the, the, the quality of the players that were around. Like, you know, what I would be saying is that there wasn't a vast difference between perhaps back then, the likes of Phil, the likes of him, David Duval. There was guys who were within that parameter of really good golfers. Like, I wouldn't be putting him in the same category as the guys who were on the way out in 97, the Faldos, the Watsons, these guys mm-hmm. who were, were leaving stage left. The only thing is, Barry did comment about how outrageous his scoring stats are, the 142 cuts. 142 was it? Yeah, 142 yeah. consecutive. Like, if you're Phil Mickelson and you're as good as Tiger, well, you should be knocking in maybe 100 consecutive cuts. These guys don't do it, and I think that's it. I think Tiger is consistently mm-hmm. way better than everyone else. I'm sorry, I did, sorry, from 1997 to let's say call it maybe 2008, I think he was consistently above everyone. But I do think your point's very good. I think the media probably reinforces people's the, the players' insecurities. The one thing I would say, and I don't think there's any dispute about this, he reinvented what the golfer per se, inverted commas, was. You know, up until probably Tiger came in, it was the guy who didn't know what the gym was. They probably couldn't even spell mm. gym. You know, th- these were this was a guy who came from college who was pounding it in the gym, building a physique to be able to hit it a mile, who reinvented the game, you know, because of that. You know, golf courses changed, technology changed. But he certainly reinvented. And I think that he had a lot of the attributes that other players took a long time to get up to speed. You look at Rory now, you look at GMAC, you look at the size of these guys, you know, they they all have the physique of an athlete. It's no longer, you know, dare I say it, the Jimenez of the world, let's go have a, a big bottle of Rioja and a couple of cigars yeah, and yeah. I'll just go and play a bit of golf because it's a bit of fun. He stretches a lot though, don't forget that. <laughs> that is true, there is a lot of And stretching. dances a bit. No, he, like, Tiger forced golfers to reinvent themselves or... You know, or to alter their plans as they were becoming a golfer. So they had to get better mental games. They had to get, you know, specific coaches for specific aspects of the games. And he did. He, he caused a revolution in the game. And I, I think the game is, I don't know, it, it is better for it. I mean, it might have lost some of that fun kind of swagger aspect it had back in the day where there was a few drinks went on in the evenings and blah, blah, blah. But, but I found that the game really took off when Tiger really came to prominence in 1997. You look at all the prize money, you look at all the health, look at everything that's really moved along then, TV viewing figures, everything like that. And people kind of say, well, I have, this is because we had, this is our first superstar of golf. But we did have a great superstar before that. We had... There was loads of them. Well, I suppose in terms of brand and in terms of sellable, like, well, I suppose... Arnie, Jack. Yeah, but the most, yeah. the most recent one I thought was 
Greg Norman. Yes. Greg Norman was an absolute phenomenal golfer, and he had a great nickname, the Shark. He, by the looks of him, kept himself quite fit, but he never captured the public's imagination. But I think Tiger is young. He appeals to, uh, obviously in the in the states, there's a large black community that would follow sports. You know, follow Michael Jordan, follow all the basketball and stuff like that quite a lot. But also it appeals to guys like ourselves, young white people as well. And we admire this guy. He's young. He's fit. He's in the gym, hits the ball a mile, plays great shots, and he seemed to capture mm. people's imaginations. Whereas someone like Greg Norman, in theory, should have, but he didn't. I think the two points that I would make based on that is one, he was idolized by his own community, in a, both both black people in America and, and around the world, because he broke glass ceilings. You know, mm-hmm. he was the first black person. You know, there was so many firsts with him. You know, yeah. and that 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 in itself. You know, I suppose when back in the day you looked at the Masters and there was black caddies, now you had black golfers. You know, it was it was not the norm. The second point I suppose I would make in relation to it is that, you know, he just, his whole way of dealing with the game changed. In 97, 98, there was a huge change in terms of media, in terms of 24-hour news, sports channels, everything. So he probably was at the right time and the right place, or the right place and the right time which also helped mm. with a phenomenal golf swing, with the ability, but also the fact that I think that America loves a story. You know, this is a kid who from the early age, you know, adorable kid on TV, all the rest, you know, with a very dominating parent who was very much pushing him to the fore. I think that history will be what would be interesting to look back on if we had this conversation in 20 years' time and we look back on one would he beat the amount of majors what do we use as the criteria as to what is the best in the world you know it's very hard to go by generations in terms of technology and courses and all the rest but do we do it on majors do we do it on tour wins do we do it on rider cups what do we do it on and i certainly think that the really interesting question is without the necessarily the media behind him now and the fear factor maybe not as much there by the younger players like jordan speak you know um Patrick Reed, guys who are kind of saying, well, look, I, I can go do what he did. You mm. know, I'm just as good. You know, I'll go and do it. Can he go on and actually dominate the game in this part of his career? Quick side point on Patrick Reed. Since he said his top five comment, his results are as follows 52nd, miscut, 48th, miscut, 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 35th, miscut. <laughs> so, uh, lesson to be learned there. Um, but look, I mean, T- Tiger's great. I'm delighted he's back. I hope he... I know it seems like he's coming back to please the sponsors a little bit. Um, I hope it doesn't damage him and put him out for the British Open because I'm really looking forward to us getting a very good major this year because, the, you know, the previous two have been, unfortunately, kind of no contests. And, you know, it'll be nice to... Even if the ne- even the, if the Open Championship is a bit of a no contest, it'll be nice having Tiger there, and hopefully he's kind of in the top five, top ten, kind of competing. That's the one thing that's just, and I suppose we probably need to wrap it up at some stage. But that, that's the one thing that slightly disappointed me when people were criticising the uh, the Masters this year in the U.S. Open, and they were saying, "Oh, the TV figures were so poor, and uh, it's because Tiger wasn't there." But I think when you look back at those two majors, you look at the Masters, uh, Bubba was miles ahead, mm-hmm. and. There was nobody really contending him, and it was a cakewalk the last nine holes. And Clymer, even more so, he was miles ahead of the field. And 
I mean, even for us, real avid golfers, big admirers of Clymer from a European golf point of view, even for us, it was it was a bit boring on on watching it. So I think for some people criticizing the lack of Tiger for you know for the lack of of um, popularity of the game in yeah. recent times, yeah, yeah. it's, I, it's I not it, his fault. It's just the way those tournaments yeah. ro- you know kind of finished out and yeah. I mean, I I, think I actually look back and just look at the TV TV viewing figures, and they look at the uh, Golf Digest list of the top um, ten majors for each of them, and sure enough, Tiger is pretty much involved. All of his majors, bar two, appear in the top ten majors in terms of viewed. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, the I think it was the 1981 U.S. Open. Was actually the number one watched U.S. Open ahead of really? any any of Tiger's um, competitions, and that was because Tom Watson beat Johnny Miller, Jack Nicklaus, Greg Norman, and Tom Kite. Which I think that sounds amazing. They were all slugging it out in a bar brawl on the yeah. all down to yeah the final eighteen, and they're all amazing players. I think that's what we're missing at the moment. Is even when Tiger's not around, is having three or four or five players mm. like had Keimer not been in, in the field it was a stunning US it was a stunning US Open yeah. it would have been great so I think that's what we're probably missing well isn't that the isn't that the key bit to this one you need Tiger back and I don't think there's any doubt about that because he brings with it all of what Tiger Inc brings but actually what it needs is another rivalry you know yeah. we had Tiger and Duval we had Tiger and Phil we had all these guys back then you had Watson you had Jack you had all of these you know Greg Norman Nick Faldo what actually is required is two or three players to build a rivalry. You know, that's what we need. We need the Adam Scotts. We need the Jordan Speeds to actually week on week be pounding it out. And actually, to be honest with you... Could be Rory it, and GMAC. Rory or GMAC. But in actual fact, it, you need that side story to, to golf yeah. as, as the, you know, to bring you back to go, geez, I really hope Rory, you know, stuffs it to him this week because, you know, he really got stuff last week. Yeah. And, you know, that's why you need it because... We talked about Duval, you know, they went back and forth between the two of them, you know, Tiger first and second in the world constantly. It was, oh, will he do this? Will he? But you need the rivalry, and I actually just don't think that at this point, with this new generation coming through, there is enough guys who are dominating the game who are willing to step forward and build that, you know, rivalry. I, I think they're all there. I just don't think the protagonists are performing at the same time to give us that kind of, yeah. you know, brilliant Sunday or brilliant stretch of weeks, you know, and... Yeah. Hopefully the stars align now that he's come back and a few of them will really step up together and you know and give us some good entertainment. To wrap up, um, can Tiger win another major? And will he win another major? Yes, he can. I'm going to say, okay, if I have to give a number on it, I'm going to say he's going to win one more. Okay. Until he gets to the senior tour, then he's going to win about 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that I think he will win one or two more he will not dominate those tournaments he will maybe get over the line but only just I don't think we're going to see a 12 or 13 shot win like we Mm -hmm. saw previously I would say that he's not going to beat Jack's 18 record and I think that going on your own and I'm going to preempt what you say here and this might depend on what you say but um, he's 39 in December he's 40 next December which means that at this point in time, he has six majors to get four out of six to, to equal Jack, or to five beat, out of six to, to beat, beat Jack. To Bobby, Don, Bobby Donnelly trap. On the basis that nobody wins majors over the age of 40. So On US soil. Oh, sorry, there was yeah. a caveat to that. Yeah, because Clark, Clark and Nicholson have won the British Open. Um, 
But what do you think? Will Tiger I, win another major? Well, first of all, I think Tiger will be the exception to the over forty rule. I think he's just he is an exception in general. So I think he will. I now think that when you look at, I don't think he's ever going to do. Look at the U.S. Open. I don't think Tiger's going to do a climber. I agree with you on that, James. When you look at who finished in the top five, Ricky Fowler, Keegan Bradley, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson. I think Tiger, the new Tiger that's coming back, I think he's going to be now at the level of Ricky Fowler, Keegan Bradley, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson. Are these guys going to win four or five majors in the next five or six years? I don't think so. Are they going to win a major? Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Keegan Bradley's already won. Ricky Fowler, absolutely. So I think I think Tiger will get very close to Jack's record, but I don't think he'll beat it. Mm-hmm. And I think he will come back and he will win a major because he is as good as these guys. He's just not as good as Climber is, and I don't think he can get to that level. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish on this point in in thirty seconds. Is that the only bit about the point that you make about him being in that level? Is is that the legacy that Tiger would want? You know, to be put in that category for all of the domination he made in the game and all the rest, that you're you're now going back into a pack of... And that's this is no disrespect to Jason Day, Keegan Bradley and the, the other men that you mentioned, but for a player who's done so much in the game, do we really want to see a guy hobbling along as well, you know, that he might win one or two or, you know, half compete? Uh, it's just, it's not necessarily the best way to, to I, leave your legacy. No, but I think his his game is only, it's going to be back to their level. It's not at the Tiger of 2008, yeah, yeah. 2007. I think his level of game is now at the same these, so he's going to have to slug out majors. He's mm. going to have to win in playoffs. It's going to be tough. He's going to have to go for them. Instead yeah. of this defensive kind of thing he did for the last few years, he's going to have to really just go out and a bit more high risk almost and risk completely bombing. Yeah. I think the one thing anyway that when we all heard that Tiger was coming back this week in Congressional, we were all extremely excited. And mm. we're all really going to tune, oh, yeah. in, tune in and watch it. So I think that's the, the the one thing. And, you know, we're trying to just present a balanced view of Tiger, but I think we're all extremely excited to have him back this weekend and also the British Open. Yeah, look, it warms the cockles to see him back. So, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's great for the game. So, um, And so for next week, looking ahead, that is obviously Tiger's coming back to the Quicken Loans in, uh, National in Congressional. Um, Tiger's playing... But it's also quite a good field. We have Jordan Spieth, um, Jason Day, Justin Rose, Tiger himself, as I mentioned, Keegan Bradley, Brant Snedeker, and then a lot of the, the really top PGA Tour guys. So that's going to be quite an interesting event. And obviously, that's where Rory won his US Open. Isn't Congressional, it? yes. Lovely, yeah. lovely golf course. Yeah. And then back to some regular Sunday night golf viewing. Um, yeah, it, it's also remarkable for a guy who hasn't been in a competition for so long. He's fourth favourite at the moment, Tiger, at 16-1. to one, You know, like yeah. it's... It's a remarkable achievement. If you, were, if you were given a free bet, would you put it on Tiger at eighteen to one? No, 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 James. I uh, wouldn't put it on no. at fifty to one. No, I, I think that the problem is you just don't know if he's only coming back swinging the the big clubs over the last couple of weeks. I don't care how good a short game is if he's hacking it out of the rough or out of the trees. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really matter how good your short game is. Yeah, I, I, I find it very hard. Fifty to one now might get my attention. Fifty to one, possibly a little bit. Maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> this is this is a long golf course. It requires some you know heavy hitting and yeah, I, I don't know whether. It'd be interesting he's to see to... what he is to, to to make the cut. You know, I think I think it would be interesting if he has it in the game to to get through four days. That yeah. would be a very big test if he makes yeah. it through four days. Yeah. Um, if he if he plays all right for the first two and misses the cut, that he's, might be actually secretly. He's five five, five to one on to make the cut. Five to one on. Mm. Like I just wonder whether or not he secretly would like not to necessarily play Saturday and Sunday and and just ease his way back into a competition. Yeah. yeah. Rather than play four days of competitive skip, golf. Skipping next week, so. 
it's definitely just a little kind of toe dipping in the water to mm. see how it all works out. Especially where he's talking about the fact that he wouldn't be back if it wasn't for his own mm. uh, personal involvement in the tournament. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. But um, on the European tour, we have the BMW International Open in Golf Club Gut Larkenhof. Well, like good job, yeah, yeah, nice. You've been practicing all week, haven't you? I actually just <laughs> did that on the fly this very second. <laughs> yeah, um, right. That'll be a lot better than some of the pronunciations on the European Tour on Sky Sports this week. So Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and I was going to say a brilliant field, but at the top of the market, it's very impressive. Henrik Stenson, who big admire um, Barry, uh, Clymer, both 8-1 to one market leaders. Garcia, Casey, Molinari, the Wieson. Bjorn, Seam, Willett, and then it's all the guys that were playing last week from, from then on. And I think this will be another great event. I think my uh, Sky Plus box is going to be on overdrive recording all the golf. Um, I'd say you, you've got a fancy stance in this week, uh, Barry. Yeah, yeah. His uh, his stats are lining up amazing at the moment. He was, I think he was leader in uh, fairways and greens regulation in the US Open. And if, if he just has an average week with a putter, he'll kill a tournament. Um I'm almost, I'm almost hoping he doesn't win in advance of the Open Championship because I want to get a bet on him for that. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be right up there again for that. I mean, I could easily see him winning twice in the next four to six weeks, kind of like Clymer did. Yeah, I, I have a view that Stenson is going to get into form the same time as last year. You hear people talking it's about now, isn't it? Was it about now? Was yeah. it? I was kind of thinking maybe it might be July, August. That I suppose he was second in the Open, so yeah, maybe, but. Um, yeah, so that would be very good and interesting. And I think Stenson and Clymer, it's very hard to pick between the two this week as who's going to go better. Cause Could do a reverse forecast and yeah. hit the jackpot. Good shout. Um, so that would be good. So great, some great golf to look forward to. Uh, before we wrap up, I have to give the answers to the rules-related question. And uh, Oh, actually, good point. Yeah, we're going to have a our usual little five-hour presenter bet, and we're going on the European Tour event. Um, Alan has okay. picked... No, we're going over in the States this the week. States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, oh, actually, can we go on the European tour and just give Alan no bets? We automatically yeah. lose. <laughs> Sorry. Just to punish him for being on holidays. I'm looking at the European tour event. Yeah, it's okay. Well, I, I think I'm first. So I, I, yeah. I'm uh, I'm going Nick Watney at 66 to 1. Okay. Uh, Alan, Alan sent in his text from Italy. Uh, he's he chosen Bill Haas. So uh, he's defending. defending, yeah. Uh, I am going to go with Hunter Mayhem coming off a missed cut, but he does have, like this course a lot, so see how he goes on. He's a US Open style player, good driving. Um, I'm going KJ Choi. Oh, yeah, he good holds form. Yeah, when he holds his form, he really does it for a few yeah. weeks, so yeah. Yeah, so yeah, cool. hopefully a good race. We'll, uh, we'll see how our fibers go anyway. Um, Into my back pocket. <laughs> yes, exactly. Come on, what's the answer? Do, okay. we, do we both win or do we both lose? Uh, to make it very quickly, you both lost. Oh. Yeah. Um, still have a two-point lead. Yeah, so you're still, you're 14-12 ahead. So in a handicap for some stroke play competition, partners A and B correctly calculate their combined handicap allowance and record it on their scorecard rather than their individual handicap. So what is the ruling? And the answer is A, that A and B should be disqualified. Why? That's brutal punishment. Yeah. What a way that. to win on the first hole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 19, and, 19 and 18. Thanks very much, lads. Uh, oh, God. That's, yeah, a stroke play. Oh, stroke play is not match play. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty pretty uh, horrible. But anyway, don't so, forget it. Yeah, exactly. So that's another one to, to add to the, to the learning. So listen, thanks a million, guys. And thanks to everyone for listening. Um, if you get the chance, as I said, we always ask every week if someone will give us a, a rating on iTunes. Some of you have been very kind to do that so far. And thank you very much for that. But if anyone else gets a chance to give us a rating, we'd really appreciate it. So goodbye from us, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you.
Bye-bye, Well, you're fine. Bye-bye. <laughs> 